You're listening to a Sunday morning sermon by Authentic Church. Hello everyone. John. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I've been here once before. I'm um, UK Operations Manager for Pioneer Network, so that Pioneer East Day, you, you should go along. And it's good. John Scott is going to be there. Anyway, it's good. Really good geezer. And um, so, yeah, that's what I do. So, uh, sort of the day-to-day running of Pioneer, which this church is part of, is, is I'm to blame for a lot of that. So, um, other than that, I mean, I'm here with Tanya, my wife there, because um, I'll say her name probably throughout, so then you've got a reference point. Um, other than that, it's really nice to be back and it's nice to be here. So, thanks for having me. Um, I want to speak to you today about a, a, from a verse in John chapter 16, 33. So I just want to start us off really at this verse. Um, in fact, everything is going to be based around this, okay? So John 16, verse 33, it says this. Am I a bit... <laughs> is it my, it's the tone of voice, is it? Too low. Are we okay? Right, we'll see. We'll see as we go along. Maybe if I don't move about. Problem is, I do move about. 16, John 16, verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I actually really like the King James Version, which I'm going to read now, just because of certain, a certain word in here, which is, it's, it says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. It's not better than trouble, tribulation. But be of good cheer. Yeah, I just, I just like that. Be of good cheer. You don't get that very often. Nobody tells me to be of good cheer very often. I have overcome the world. Now, if you've heard, if you've heard me speak before, any time I do speak, I'm really important for me is context. It's very easy to pick a verse and actually just go, I can make it actually say something or I can justify something with it. That's been done in the past. Actually, and one of the other things I find sometimes with people with Bible verses, and please, I've got to be very careful how I say this, but sometimes we can throw out these verses like, I don't know, like their Facebook wisdom. Yeah, you know I mean, that little quote that's meant to make us all feel better, but actually, wait a minute, there's no depth to it. You can just, you know, Hey, you know, may peace be with you. And it's like, well, thanks. How does that happen? Or, or, you know, now, as I say, that's not to say that scripture isn't powerful. It's not to say that actually a verse in the Bible can not impact us and affect us in, in powerful ways. But it needs context. Okay, I have a verse that is my sort of, Life verse. I don't know if you've got one of those. A verse that, you know, for God, right, that's, that's something I'm going to hold on to in different circumstances. And for me, it's Micah 7, verse 8, which says, Don't gloat over me, my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord is my light. And I find, see, as a verse, I could look at the context of the rest of it, but actually as a verse for me, oh, that's powerful. And I've shouted it out at times in my life. Now, it's been a declaration in my life where I've had to say, because I've been fallen, <laughs> I've been in darkness, and I've had to scream that out almost, and it has helped. So, for me, 
what I'm really trying to say is context is important, okay? But we're going to return to context. So as I said, I really liked it, but I'm going to put a pin in it and you'll remind me about it. I'll, I won't forget because I've got it written down. And we're going to come back to the context of this verse later. So, this verse, and we've got an amen at the end of that because we see this nice bit, I've overcome the world. That. But actually, I want to start to talk about the bad news bit of that verse, which actually says, in this world, you will have trouble. And that nice King James Version, tribulation. In the Greek, actually, I think it would say affliction. It's not a particularly nice word, but we will have trouble. It's true. I'm very sorry, but we will have trouble in this world. Jesus said it. I, um, me and Tanya, <laughs> well, as children, we've we've had this amazingly traumatic childhoods separately, um, and we can we can uh, we can tell you some stories because we've. Uh, from just about anything that could have happened to children between us, we've had it happen to us. And then, and then as adults, we decided to follow Jesus, and it all became very, very rosy. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't, because that's not what happens. Right? This, this isn't a, you follow Jesus and life's great. Nothing ever bad happens to us. And as I said, Jesus tells us that. Following Jesus does not give us some type of immunity from pain. It does not give us an immunity from trouble or tribulation. And yet Jesus sits here and he says to us, be of good cheer. <sighs> How? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is that? I mean, seriously, it's one of those, yeah, come on, yeah, you're going for that pain, but be of good cheer. And, you know, and it's, that's what I'm talking about sometimes with this context. It's like, how? How do I do that? And generally, that's actually what I want to explore with you today. Straight out of this verse, I want to pull out, well, what does that look like? How do, how, do I, how do I do that? How do I be of good cheer? So I've got nice four points. I know we usually do a preacher's three-point type thing, but I get a bit carried away. If you don't know as well, I drink a lot when I'm speaking a lot. So, and it really annoys my wife. So, I have to. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. So, my first point here is: be honest. Trouble, tribulations, affliction depending on your translation, they're real. Jesus has just said this. Jesus says so. Let us not diminish where we are at. Our pain, our trouble, our affliction is very real for us. We all know there are people in the world worse off than us. And when people tell me that when I'm going through pain, I want to hurt them. It doesn't really, I know, and an attitude of gratitude and understanding where we are in the world, how blessed we are, yes, I get it. But when you're in your place of pain, own it. 
and it's okay. I am hurting, I am in pain, I am struggling. It's okay to say that. In fact, it's biblically right. Because I've got this great, wonderful book called the Psalms where David does it all the time. David sits there and he says, why am I here, God? What's going on, God? I'm hurting, God. I'm in pain, God. And God's, you know, <laughs> God loved David. He said, he's a man after my own heart. If you read some of the Psalms, it doesn't sound like it. But actually, yes, he's incredibly honest with where he's at. I was in a particularly difficult time in my life. And Tanya said to me, she said, I really feel it's important you read the book of Job. And I don't know if you know the book of Job, but it doesn't always come across as the most inspiring and, um, you know, <laughs> happy sort of book. You've got this guy here who's he's a pretty good guy and he loses everything. He goes, I've been losing everything. And it's like, why would you want to read Job? Well, actually, I found it incredibly inspiring for the fact within that you have this Job who is incredibly honest. And he asks, I'll tell you what, he goes through and he asks all the questions that I've asked when I've been going through pain. Why is this happening to me? What did I do? What didn't I do? And he, he goes through all of this. And it was interesting, just yesterday, late add-on, which is quite good, I just saw something with Timothy Keller, who's fantastic. And um, he was talking about this. He said... Uh, he points out that right at the end of Job, we read these words in Job chapter 42, verse 7. It says, after the Lord, after God, said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, love these names, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Job was... Honest with God. When you, you, you see Job's conversations in, in that book, it's with God. You've got these, these friends hanging around going, you know, well, maybe it was because you were not such a righteous whatever. And they're having this great big sort of like conversation. Well, actually, Job's like, he's just on, he's honest with God. God loves it when we're honest. He, the honesty of Job, the honesty of David can be our starting point. Stomp your feet cry out and it's okay God can take it and I think he loves raw deep hearted honesty let's be honest now once we're in that place I'm just going to tell you this really big truth this is this is best bit of advice I'm going to repeat this a couple of times my point too is that it's better with Jesus it's a very simple point it's better with Jesus. Part of, part of the context of this verse in John 16 is that he's sharing what's going to happen to him with his disciples. He's reassuring them. And the best advice I can give anyone in the world if you're going through any type of pain and tribulation trouble is that it is better with Jesus. Now, so many sermons I have heard recently I'd uh, love to, um, you're going to get a mention of The Chosen. It's, it's on trend type of thing. I don't know if you've seen The Chosen. It's great. I like it. The reason I like it is because, I'll be really honest with you, most Christian TV programs are pretty rubbish. They're like 
I don't know, not very real. They're squeaky clean and they're like, oh, and it's like, that's, it's not real. And The Chosen, if you ever get to see it, if you do it, it's good. I can't do any spoilers because generally it's in the Bible. But the thing is, right, that The Chosen's real. It's very authentic, good word. It, and, and I love that about it. And I love this show. And one of the things I like about it as well, what's well, the biggest thing I'd say I like about it, from <laughs> episode one, until I remember even just the final episode, there's a thing in me that's going, where's Jesus? When's Jesus going to get there? The first episode, yeah, so a bit of a spoiler, but not really. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there through that whole first episode, and I remember going to say, where's Jesus? When's Jesus going to turn up? And then Jesus turns up, and everything changes. And I see, you see that all the way through. And sometimes he doesn't even do anything. You know, it doesn't seem like anything's really changed, but Jesus turns up, and he's different. It's always going to be better with Jesus. In 2008, uh, Tanya and I, told you I'd be referencing her, Tanya and I were declared bankrupt and we had our house repossessed. Um, we had a very difficult sort of a year and a half after that of living in some... Uh, uh, different places and uh, so not so fun places we still miss our house you know we always <laughs> I could say that because I had some the bathrooms in our house anyway there we go we, but anyway we, we it was it was a really painful time we had three children and one on the way and it was difficult um, and we will often say how did we get through how did we get through that time without going insane or being you know struggling just to get up in the morning, any of these things. How did, how did we get through? And honestly, really, I can say um, it was with Jesus. And I don't mean that in some type of, once again, I like flesh on something. Not an, ah, oh, it was like, seriously, it was, it was an outworked, intentional relation with, relationally with Jesus. That's how we got through it. We made this decision. I don't know if we actually consciously, we did, made this decision that, what we're going to do, me and Tanya, we said, what we're going to do right now, we're going to, every night, we're going to pray together and we're going to read the Bible together. And we did that every night for a year. And when I say every night, it was like if we were gone for a night out and you came back, I remember us doing this at midnight, where we'd been out really late, we came back and we were like, no, we just, we said we'd do this, we're going to keep doing it, keep doing it. And I think there's so many times during that period where we were just reassured. We felt spoken to. We felt a phenomenal amount of um, <laughs> just real hope that was given to us just through spending time, just praying. And you know what? So I'll say this. It wasn't always easy. Sometimes it was sit down and it was like, we're going to pray. And it was like, well, you pray. And well, like, no, I don't know what to pray. You pray. And it was like, you know, it, was, it wasn't just sort of, oh, once again, joy and roses. But it was, we were carried through. I, was gonna, I did write this down. One of the sad things, I suppose, is that we haven't kept that up. A confession time. We don't do that every night. But during that period of intensity, it really helped us. Our closeness to Jesus carried us through. So, this is the thing, wherever you are in life right now, and I know I'm talking about trouble, but I'll tell you what, if you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, 
If you're flying or drowning, it's better with Jesus. It is better with Jesus. There's more. I moved from a really good bit to a little bit more difficult bit. That verse we've been spoken, I've been speaking to uh, of John sixteen thirty three. I have pointed out that we are asked to take heart or to be of good cheer, but actually, the more more little more literal translation of that from the Greek is be of good courage. It's a word farcio. Uh, be of good courage. Be courageous. And maybe it doesn't sound as encouraging as take heart or be of good cheer, but actually I find it, once again, it's something I can get hold of a little bit more. Be courageous. And I think it's actually quite a hard thing to say to people when they're in a place of pain. But I also think it is one of these, as I said, practical things that's got some flesh in it. I need you to be courageous. Um, Tanya's actually not keen on injections. She doesn't like needles. We've got four children. I've done the uh, inoculation run four times well, with four children, more than four times. I've had to go along. I've been the one, so many parents will notice, who've sat there and seen that look on your child's face. Why are you letting them hurt me, Daddy? You know, it's, um, it's, it's not a great place to be. And but actually, uh, the, the worst time is you know when they're babies and they're just you're going to go in and they're going to scream. That's one thing. But you know when they're like three or four and they're going for that 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 one just before they start school, and they know what's going to happen, and they see the needle, <laughs> and it's like, and, and what do you say in those occasions? You know, look, just going to have to be brave. Going to need you to be brave for a moment. You need this. This is, this is going to be good. There's going to be good that comes out of this, but I need you to be brave for a moment. I think God's sometimes saying that to us. Be brave, be courageous. It won't always be like this. In some way I will make good out of this. I will not be brave. I will not waste it, but be brave. Be courageous. Um, Lord of the Rings... Love a good Lord of the Rings quote as well. Uh, in the Two Towers, um, there's, there's a wonderful battle. It's actually my favourite in, in the whole series. It's, it's the Battle of Helm's Deep. And um, this Orc army has surrounded and broken through into the fortress. And the, everyone's hiding. They're trying to get the women and children out of the way. And, and King Fyrdon of the Mark, he, he, he says these words. He says, so much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? And Aragorn answers him, and he says these words, he says, ride out with me, ride out and meet them. <sighs> Strong words. But this is the reality that in our darkest times, what we're called to do is to ride out and meet it, to be courageous and be brave. And you know what? Sometimes that might just mean getting out of bed. That could be the courage for you that day. It may just be, you know what? I can get out of bed. 
can get dressed. I can get out the front door. I can get to work. I could. I could. Be a riding out meeting. Practically, this is how it looks like when we're facing trouble, when we're facing strife. We step out. We ride out. <coughs> we are called, I believe, to ride out. And my last point is an incredibly exciting one. It, it, it goes to those words that he says at the end there, where he says, I have overcome the world. And this is my fourth bit of practical advice to hold on to, is the reality that Jesus has overcome. Jesus has overcome. And this is my context point. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. This is a conversation that, it's a very long <laughs> conversation. It starts back at the Last Supper when he's, he's washing his disciples' feet. And then this is another four chapters later. And uh, he's still going on. And after he, he finishes this verse, he then actually prays for the disciples. And he prays for all those that are following him. And in the middle of this, between washing the feet and praying for everyone, he he. he he does so much. He says so much. He, number one, he does all these I am phrases. Really, he declares who he is. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the true vine. He says all this. And he promises the Holy Spirit. Exciting. You know, he says, I'm going to be going, but we're going to be having the Holy Spirit with you. He gives us this, this extra command, which we're to love each other. To love each other. And he does all this. And then, as well in there, he's actually saying to the disciples, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be leaving you shortly. I'm going on to face something bigger. don't know about you, but when someone... The lights just go off, or was that... It was, right, just checking. Right, uh, you can still see me, it's okay. Um... When I'm going through something, you know, somebody comes to give you a bit of advice, they come alongside you. I find it really helpful if they've got a bit of empathy, if, they, if they've walked a, a path themselves. It's the great thing about Jesus. When Jesus is telling his disciples to be of good cheer, or however we want to put it, to be courageous, remember this, he is on the way to the cross. In the next 24 hours, Jesus will be spat on, slapped, flogged in the most brutal way imaginable. A crown of thorns will be thrust on his head, nails will be hammered through his hands and feet, and he will be hung on a cross, where he will slowly die. When Jesus is talking to his disciples, in fact, when he is talking to us, he is the one who says, I have walked this path. I have faced the pain, I've faced the trouble, I've faced the tribulation, I've faced the affliction. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin, and yet it's more than that. He didn't just emphasize because of that. He, he was a high priest who suffered, who knew sorrow and pain. It says in Isaiah 53, 
Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one for whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. And yet, we can find, we can read this further comfort in the final line of this verse. Even though all of that, he says, I have overcome the world. I was, I'm going to quote from the wonderful William Barclay now, uh, the theologian. He's writing about this verse and he, he says this. Very soon, something was going to be unanswerably proved to the disciples. They were going to see that the world could do its worst to Jesus and still not defeat him. And Jesus says this, he says, the victory which I will win can be your victory too. The world did its worst to me and I emerged victorious. Life can do its worst to you and you too can emerge victorious. You too can possess the courage and conquest of the cross. When we're in that, wherever we are now, if we're in a place of pain, struggle, affliction, say this, you will not remain there. And when you emerge, all that you have been through will not go to waste. When I said about me and Tanya going through everything we went through as children, all that type of stuff, the amazing way that God has used that. Well, yeah, we can come alongside most young people and say, yeah, I've been there. One of us has. <laughs> you know? God uses what we've been. And he uses it in terms, I believe he uses it in terms of victory. I think victory is contagious. Jesus won a victory. You know what I mean? And through him I have a victory. And when I share, when I come alongside somebody who's in that place where I've been, and I can help them, I'm passing on that. Come on, you can be victorious too. We don't just, we're not just the victorious people, we carry it. <laughs> we, we follow him. Jesus' victory echoes through history, continuing to bring victory to others. Um, Romans 8, I've got a, got a verse, the verse, verse from Romans 8, which is quite common, but I just say, every now and again, read Romans 8, because I just think it's, <laughs> it's one of the... It's one of the most freedom-declaring chapters in the Bible. You know, it starts with this, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and it ends with, and nothing will separate you from his love. And in the middle, he says, you can call him Abba Father, and you're, and you're more than a conqueror. And uh, this is it. Just do it just for the pure joy of it. Read it. But anyway, when I was young, up on the wall, my dad, he had this embroidered verse, and it, it was Romans 8, verse 28. And uh, so I saw it every day of my childhood. And it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Well, I've been called and I'm loved by him. Uh, I hope that, yeah, no, I know, yeah, you've been called and you're loved by him. So God continues to work for our good. Um, it's a famous quote, I think it's Nicky Gumbel's, could be wrong. 
But he said, if it isn't good, it isn't over. That quote, once again, from going like Lord of the Rings film, and two towers, and feared and an arrogant, they say, we're going to ride out and meet him. What an amazing victory. And they slaughtered everyone. It was great. Old Gandalf the White turns up, and it's fantastic. There is a great victory. It can be there for you. Unfortunately, this is another unfortunately, you don't get a victory without a battle. But in that, this is it, in that, the reminder that we carry every day is that Jesus has already won. So, in wonderful words of in conclusion, when we face the trouble of this world, be honest. Importantly, be honest with God. Bring it to him, because it's better with him. It is always better with Jesus. Be courageous, whatever that may look like for you, because you will not remain where you are. You will overcome, because Jesus has led the way, and we can follow him. I'm just going to pray, okay? Father, you, I love you, and just reminded of those other words for this time in Psalm 23. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. God, you're a God who has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. I know myself, Lord, that I've been in the pit. And I know that you're there with me. God, I do ask that you will help me get out of it and help us all. Lead us on. We need you. It is better with you. God, I just, I do, I pray for that. That we have hope today in dark situations. I pray for a light shining in darkness, Lord. We can move forward with you. In Jesus' name, amen.